Welcome back, listeners. This is another episode of Go Be Wyoming. Today, it is Monday, October 5th, and I have a great interview lined up with City Council candidate Tom Kelly. Tom and I discuss the most recent debates, the primary election results, and most importantly, the real reason why Tom feels compelled to run for a local office. This episode is brought to you by Pure Energy Fitness. It is Sheridan's premier 24-7 fitness facility. Give them a call at 307-655-5891 for membership rates and front desk hours, as well as right now they have an October special for personal training. Give them a call and find out more. Let's get into the episode. I decided to be a good place. I said, you know, Aaron will just, he'll let you talk. He's not going to pull some gotcha crap and yeah, ask you the, when did you stop beating your wife questions and stuff like that? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, we're not, no, cause um, I'm glad we're doing this again. Cause I did watch your guys' debates and it was kind of like, I didn't feel like, you know, everyone had the same answer and it was kind of like, well, what, like, let's, I don't know, like, <laughs> uh, you know, everyone's agreeing. I'm like, well, that's not really helping anybody uh, determine who they want to vote for. I felt like, I mean, that, I don't know. Um, how do you think those debates went? They're not debates. They're question and answer periods. Um, yeah. <laughs> the candidates don't really get to speak to one another. Um, you barely get to, you have 60 seconds. So all you can do is talk about what you think about yourself. You don't want to waste it maybe uh, critiquing somebody else's idea because then your clock runs up. Um, They had one with the mayor and with uh, Councilor Bridger and and one the week before, and they both went the same way. And they get a little dull like that. Um, People have their pre-digested answers. And one of the things I make sure I don't do is bring a whole bunch of notes up there with me and pre-written answers because wow, does that really make it dull when somebody's reading a speech to you? I mean, it's like you're back yeah. in high school English class. Yeah. Yeah. So, and um, I think the questions are there, you know, the issues are there that they wanted to talk about. So we'll kind of, um, we'll kind of go back into those. Um, you, you know, we, I don't think it's going to be anything new that you and I talked about before, but um, you know, it's just good to have you back on and, um, you know, I appreciate your time doing it. And, um, uh, I will say for the listeners, you know, um, Tom elected to do this virtually last time you came over and, and we did it in person, but, um, I think you're being responsible. You know, I don't think you have it, but you know, uh, we're, we're, uh, staying distance cause you were feeling a little ill over the weekend. So we're just, um, just letting everybody know that, um, just take precautions, be safe, um, no matter what you feel about this whole COVID thing, but just uh, take precautions and, and do the right thing. <laughs> well, just to clarify, I, I never felt sick. 
uh, okay. earlier last week, or almost a week ago, uh, you know, I'm enjoying my Black Rifle coffee right now. Um, I didn't last week. All of a sudden, I'm like, what, what the heck? I can't smell this coffee. And, yep. it, and then um, I thought about the news and everything. I'm like, uh-oh. And I went around like, you know, I couldn't smell my wife's perfume. I, I couldn't smell the dog, which is a good thing. But, <laughs> I, but no fever. I didn't feel sick, no cough, nothing, other than the fact that nothing smelled or tasted correctly. And um, that's when I decided, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to isolate for at least a week just to make sure I don't get a fever or something. And since then, it was, you know, by Thursday night, uh, I was, sense of smell was coming back by Friday morning. Everything was normal again. So right. I felt fine all weekend. I feel fine today. Um, but I'm going to hang out in the house just for a couple more days just to be sure because – like you said, it, it's not responsible. I'm not worried about it for myself. I'm 50 years old. I'm healthy. I'm a black belt in martial arts. I take care of myself. Yep. Um, but I don't want to go out meeting voters and spreading the coof to people who don't deserve. That's just irresponsible saying, because I feel fine. Everybody else will be fine. And yep. I, I didn't get tested because I didn't see a purpose. I, I'm not ill. Um, even going to get tested, I have to venture out in the public and possibly expose people if I am infected. So the best yeah. thing to do is just stay home. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, um, I'm glad you brought it up because it's, it's, we're such in a funny time. You know, my wife, she's, she's not been feeling, not that she's been sick, but she's, ha she's got some other things going on. And it's funny now the hospital, not to throw the hospital under the bus, but they're like, oh, let's just test you for COVID. And we're both kind of like, she's healthy. She has no symptoms. You know, we'd like you to figure out what else is going on. Um, but we're in just such a world that, uh, that's prevalent right now in everyone's minds. And, um, but, uh, anyways, that's kind of a side side point anyways, but <laughs> well, that's part of reality of the city right now. We live in what I tell my uh, family back in Illinois, we live in free America. They still, um, can't eat side in restaurants. You have to wear masks. There are parts of the country that are still horribly locked down compared to what we deal with here. Yeah. Um, and when you look at, there's up to a, at least a 10% false positive rate, how that upends your life, your family life, everything that goes on. Somebody goes, say they test your wife and she comes back positive. And now they're like, well, now you have to sit at home and everybody you know has to sit at home for the next 14 days. Yep. And then maybe she gets tested a week later, negative, or maybe you never had it. Um, and when you've got like an airborne virus like this that is literally everywhere in the world, well, maybe not Antarctica, but in every civilized part of the world where we have permanent settlements, yep. there, there's no getting away from it. And really what it comes down to is people want to avoid it. They have to protect themselves. This whole idea of protecting others with a mask over your face, I don't know, it's more of a feel-good measure. Um, it's, um, I, I read these studies that talk about, well, look, you know, when you sneeze, it only goes six inches when you have a mask on and it goes six feet when you don't have a mask on. And I think, well, look, when I get in the pool, my swimsuit on the pee only goes six inches versus if I didn't have it on uh, with an airborne virus, once it's in the atmosphere, it's in the atmosphere. Uh, it, yeah. it stirs up, it goes through the ventilation. It doesn't matter if you shoot it six inches or six feet into the air. Um, if somebody's coughing and sneezing, I don't know why they're leaving their home anyway. I mean, I stayed home just because my coffee tasted funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, just, I guess this is the new normal now, Tom, but, uh, hopefully not. But, um, 
um, let's get into um, the debates that you guys did. You guys have about, we're about three weeks to the election. Um, I guess, um, you know, do you, do you want to say anything about uh, the primaries at all? You know, how that, um, do you want to talk about, you know, Sheridan County um, and really the state of Wyoming had one of the largest turnouts it's ever had um, for a primary election period. Um, what is, what's your thoughts on that? Well, one thing I thought was interesting was that uh, uh, Bridger got more votes than Miller in the primary. Mm -hmm. um, as a political scientist, you have to start to wonder what that, why that was. Is mm -hmm. he really more popular or was it because uh, Mayor Miller didn't campaign at all? The, Bridger had his signs everywhere. He had his people out. Um, was that a move to rally the base so they can claim victory in, in the primary? Um, or was it really that if we were to poll Sheridan that he was ahead? Um, I know that uh, I, I know that the mayor took a similar track that I did for the primaries, that we weren't going to spend a lot of time and money because we knew we were going through anyway with the number of candidates. Mm -hmm. um, you get something called election fatigue, which I think America had by 2019 already because of the national politics. <laughs> um, so let's see, out of the six candidates, um, I think I came in fifth, which uh, I actually found a bit encouraging. One, I didn't come in last. Uh, and two, um, that answered my question with the people of Sheridan would people of Sheridan vote for somebody who's basically a newcomer to the city? Uh, and considering I, I got a, a fair amount of 1,400-something votes yeah. at the time, basically only knowing like 12 people in the entire city. Um, <laughs> and I'll, say, I'll say thank you, Mayor Miller, if you happen to put my name out there because I, I would take credit for maybe 12 of those votes, and that would be about it. Uh, but that answered my question. If the primary came back and I had like, you know, 200 votes and everybody else had over a thousand or so, uh, I'd be like, well, it's okay. They, they don't want a newcomer. But, um, and, and that's probably, I was felt a lot more confident about um, introducing myself and speaking to people after that. Uh, I have to admit, I was a little gun shy to get my name out there to people being like, you, you long haired carpetbagger. Um, we're not interested. <laughs> um, but after I got to meet people, most people are generally responsive. Um, so that, that's my take on the primary, really. Uh, just questions about if we were to poll the city, is Bridger really ahead of a Miller or not? Um, and uh, if we were to hold a general election today, I wonder how I would do. Um, I, did, I, I, wanted, I noticed something else, too. They, had, they counted the election night votes first. And then they counted the uh, absentee votes of the early voting. And right. I, I got creamed in the, uh, in the early voting. Um, uh, I'm, I'm a, I am a numbers guy. I do statistics. And I looked. And, and out of the candidates, um, I, I did much better actually on election day than I did in early voting. So Oops. after being on public pulse, after having a debate, after being on your podcast, those types of things, um, on election day, I think it's 40 something percent of my votes came in on election day, even though like 60% of the votes for the entire county were cast before election day. Right. Um, that was encouraging too, because it felt that I felt that um, when people actually get to know me, uh, I'm a more viable candidate. Basically, right. 
I mean, unlike some candidates, uh, when you see a national politics, the more they open their mouths, the more their polls drop. Um, <laughs> it's encouraging to see that the more I speak to people, the better I do. Right. Totally. Well, and, and I, I'll mention on those numbers, Tom, you know, it, it, the, this race for those, those seats on the, on the council, you, you know, you say you ended fifth, but really, I mean, it's um, to get to that third spot is actually very close between, um, you know, three, four and fifth that I saw, um, which is why I really want to get all the candidates on. And, and, you know, I think this is a very important time that if people don't know who to vote for, um, you know, you, they need to go find the debates. They need to find our podcast. They need to go talk to you. They need to go talk to the other candidates. Um, because it's, it's fairly close. Um, like you've mentioned and, and, uh, so, um, awesome. Well, let's get into the debates a little bit, Tom, you know, we kind of talked about this before on kind of what your issues are. Um, especially being a father, you just moved here. You have, you have kids that are going to be in school. Um, you know, I think I want you to expand a little bit on, cause everyone kind of gave the same kind of answer in regards to housing, um, you know, a, the quote unquote affordable housing, um, you know, expand on what your thoughts are. I thought you, you explained it very well that it's it's a supply and demand so at some point you know if we're talking about the city the city can only um you know supply as much as it has you know unless it's going to continue to grow um so expand on that a little bit in your experience um and what you're seeing that uh the city has done well and what you expect to see in the next couple of years all right thanks so i guess that is something that came up um, I was only able to briefly mention that I'd supported what Mayor Miller had been supporting in town. Um, there is, as we know, a demand to live in Sheridan. And it's, it's gone beyond just people in Wyoming thinking, oh, geez, that's a nice town. I think I'll go there coming up from Buffalo or coming over from Gillette. It has more to do with um, the national disarray. And uh, as I said at the debates, the secret's out on this town. Um, and there are people calling from California, calling realtors, saying, whatever you have for sale, I'll buy it. Um, that puts a huge stress on the real estate market. Now, one of the concerns I have, particularly when we talk about any of the issues of the city, is when candidates, whether it's for mayor or council, begin to make promises that not only a politician cannot keep, but a member of city government definitely cannot because it's outside our, our responsibilities and our jurisdiction, our authority. Um, it was mentioned in debates that, well, the city doesn't actually build houses. Well, that was a smart thing to say. I didn't say it. Someone else did. Um, for me, that was a given. Well, of course, this is in communism. Yeah, the government doesn't build houses. Um, but that, that's a good point that sometimes when you have a candidate out there saying jobs, housing, education, family, faith, they throw out those catchphrases. And everybody goes, yay, how, how could you not be for that? But it's like, okay, let's talk about the specifics. What do you plan on doing for jobs, education, and homes? So for housing, what the city has to do is get barriers out of the way to allow developers to develop. Now, I, I'm on the planning commission. 
and um, I think it's called the Hidden Bridge Project is one of those things that came up a few times. Um, I can't talk about what's going on going forward with it in case it comes back to us for some reason, but I could talk about what happened in the past. They originally came to us with a plan to squeeze in something like 100 houses and a, um, a storage facility all on that land. And the uh, people of Sheridan showed up in force at the planning commission meeting um, to which we had to calmly tell them like, listen, the planning commission really doesn't make this decision. We just send a recommendation one way or another, the city council makes it. And our decision is whether or not the plan meets local ordinances, state laws, whether or not it's, it's okay. Uh, right. We're supposed to just go over and review it for legality. We're not supposed to tell them if we think it's a good idea or not. Um, well, we looked at it and uh, it, it horribly violated the open space requirement. Um, there were legal arguments you can make to twist it and say it made it. Um, it the, the plan didn't look very good to ameliorate. It would look like it was going to exacerbate problems with traffic. Um, when the people came in with their, their complaints and their concerns about it, they were right. There was too much going to get packed in there. So we shot it down that night. Um, we sent a negative recommendation. Um, it came back to us and they had removed the storage facility. They had lowered the number of lots. They had better plans for um, sidewalks and lights and safety, those types of things, and looked at it and said, well, now it, it meets city standards. So we approved it. They went, talked to the association, worked with the city. There were a little bit more talking. It came back to us a third time because they had scaled it back even further. Then it got tabled by the city council on a four to three vote. That's where the city council failed because this has been going on for months. There's been communication among the people of Sheridan, the developers, the association, the city, uh, compromises are made. Not everyone's going to be happy, but it, it went from being this massive development of, of packing in the tons of houses to something much more reasonable. And at the same time, um, not, overly expensive, moderately priced houses in today's market. And whatever came up, some confusion over sidewalks and streetlights, I was reading into it in the Sheridan Press, um, and they decided to delay the vote on it. I, I think they're voting, they might be voting on it again tonight. Um, I think that might be tonight's city council meeting. Um, but the short answer after all that babbling is, the city can't get in the way of development. Um, there, it's important to make sure that development is not done irresponsibly, uh, that it's not changing the character of the town, that it's not packing in so many people in one area, that uh, the traffic lights are overwhelmed, schools are overwhelmed. Those are important things the city must do, but that had already been ironed out and examined, and it, it was pretty clear that this development uh, was not going to hurt the town overall. It was a good idea to help meet the demand for new homes. Um, and at that point, the city council has to make a decision. It has to say, okay, let's, let's go ahead with this because the developer is losing money. Um, that's not the first priority of the city necessarily, but that could have indirect consequences uh, if developers are less likely to want to uh, pursue profitable endeavors in Sheridan because, like, you know, that city council is a pain in the butt. They're going to hold you up for months and you're going to have me talking to lawyers and um, it's the short answer is the city has to keep a finger on the pulse of what's going on but do its job and then get out of the way and let 
the developers build, let the people come in and buy the houses they'd like. If the houses are so horrible that people don't want them, nobody will buy them, and then nobody will build houses like that in the future. Um, so when it comes to housing, um, we have uh, jobs to do like uh, update zoning. Um, we we're doing that recently on another piece of property that was zoned residential one in the planning commission. And it's surrounded by business zoning. Uh, makes no sense at all that we can only build single family homes on this big tract of land. So we updated it to make that business so it could be homes and businesses. Um, so again, the, the city just has to make sure that the environment and, in, and the infrastructure is in place um, so the market can come in and, and take care of uh, housing requirements. Oh, you, yeah, I'm sorry, you'd also mentioned about affordable housing. Um, having come from Chicago, having come from Northern Colorado, where uh, affordable housing was built in Greeley, Colorado, um, affordable housing is sometimes a catchphrase for government subsidized housing. which is not necessarily um, affordable. It is basically, can you be one of the ones who wins the lottery to get the government subsidized home? Um, and my experience has been when you have government subsidized housing, the, the people who end up getting it are the people who are not most in need, but those who are the most adept at working the government system. Um, people who become professionals it's a career living off the government rather than maybe somebody who's a disabled war vet or a retired senior or a single parent somebody who's really really busy and doesn't have the time to read through all the bylaws and, and work through the system and, and or have a friend in government to get the application approved um so that's where that we were all pretty much on board um with the idea that it's not the city's job to actually provide the housing it's the city's job to monitor and supervise responsible construction of homes right well and i'm glad you brought up the hidden the hidden bridge ranch um that's something we've talked about on our show uh me and uh, my co-host zach gale and um you know we were kind of on the same uh pages where you're at is look there was there was two or three conversations, the developer made those changes. Now, you know, we can talk about that first proposal, you know, that was completely not, to, you know, that got the community up in arms, but um, there were conversations, the, the, the city council and, and the planning commission, you know, got them, got everybody kind of on the same page. And uh, I think they are probably talking about it tonight. Uh, this is Monday the 5th, so that the city council is probably looking at it again. Um, so no, that was a great explanation and kind of an example of what you're talking about is this, this, the city did its job, you know, it, it did everything up to that point. Now it needs to just let that developer go and, and get those houses developed. Um, and then um, I think, yeah, you're right. I was watching the, the debate and I think everybody, all the candidates that were there kind of agreed on the affordable housing. Um, you know, I, 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 I agree. I don't think the city, um needs to do that and uh it really comes down to we can kind of talk about this um you know job market right i think as as a city council member too i think we can talk about the business park um because it's kind of a chicken and an egg thing right but um 
if we have more businesses here and, and the city allows businesses to grow, then you're going to have people that can be professionals and have jobs. And then that could, you know, lead to more housing. What are your thoughts on that? The, the city um, primary responsibilities is to create the environment where businesses want to open, where people, preferably people who already understand Wyoming, whether they're originally from here or not, um, will say, Sheridan, what a great location. I want to open my business there. Uh, the regulations are reasonable. The taxes are reasonable. The people are friendly. The schools are great. I want to bring my family there. Um, this is where I'm at odds with some of the city council candidates. Um, I'm not a fan of the city government going out of its way, working with the state to try and uh, lure big companies to come to town. A, a diversified economic base is, is the strongest one. And if Sheridan continuously opens up small businesses with five to 25 employees, maybe larger as they grow. That's fantastic. Um, I get concerned about trying to bring big factories here, about bringing big tech companies. Um, some, uh, if, if, a, if a company comes here uh, and we're touting, like, this is great, this uh, company X is coming here and they're bringing 400 jobs with them. Well, there are a couple of problems with that. One, suddenly we have 400 families coming here and no place for them to move in, and that puts pressure on the housing market, and, and housing gets even more expensive. Um, and that's a risk for changing the character of the town. I didn't move to Sheridan by accident. I, I looked around, I said, this is great. I think we fit in fine here, uh, and we have. Um, so, and that's why uh, I, I've been talking again with Mayor Miller about this, and, and this is why I generally campaign with and endorse him is not nothing against Councilor Bridger. I believe he's completely adept at what he does. Um, but this is a case of it's not broken, so we shouldn't fix it. Um, I, I've looked at the, what happened four years ago, uh, what Mayor Miller has done since, um, and he's generally tried to do exactly what I think the city needs. Stay on top of road construction, uh, get out of the way to make sure development can happen, um, manage responsible growth um, a city could be like a shark if it stops moving it dies we see this in small towns all over the country um, anti-growth is not a good policy egregious growth is not a good policy there's there's a sweet spot where the, mm -hmm. the moderate growth in town um, and when we go pushing for major corporations to come here so we could say you know home of amazon uh no that's not that's not a good plan um, they, they not only do they come and put pressure on the housing market, they tend to bring their voting habits with them. Texas is experiencing this. Colorado is experiencing this. They did what they thought was a great job poaching companies from California. And now those, Texas is almost a purple state. Colorado is a blue state. Um, that's important. City governments in Wyoming have a lot to do with that. We don't have any major cities here. Casper and, and Cheyenne are both like 30% smaller than the small town I came from in Colorado, really, of over 100,000 mm -hmm. people. Um, that means a town like Sheridan with fewer than 20,000 people can have a lot of 
influence on, on the character of the state. We see what happens in, in, um, in Jackson Hole. Jackson Hole became a popular place for celebrities, for uh, rich people from other states. And the, the county in 2016 voted almost 60% for Hillary Clinton. Um, I mean, that's laughable in most of Wyoming. Um, but that could happen to Sheridan. And what I've seen when we have an area that, I don't know, it becomes full of like rich elite uh, or some people like to say liberal elite. Um, well, yeah, they can afford higher taxes. Things sound great for the children, for the schools. And suddenly you have people who have been insured in their whole lives who can't afford to live here anymore. And that's when we talk about bringing jobs in. Um, some of the candidates have mentioned that, oh, you know, we're, we're, we need people to work here. Well, that's true. When you go to Walmart and you see they're offering thirteen forty-five an hour to collect carts, that's unheard of in most of the country. Um, we need people to come here to fill jobs. Um, I don't think we need to push for um, high-tech jobs, big corporations. Um, just the uh, atmosphere and, and the economic strength and diversity of Sheridan with, with a college, with a hospital, uh, with a small business base, with a thriving downtown is that... Um, and being the largest town around for a hundred miles is that this could easily be a hub for the whole area for real estate. Well, it kind of is already and financial services, banking. Um, we could have all pillars of a strong economy in this area. And if we do something like bringing a, a major corporation, what happens if that corporation decides to leave town or goes under uh, that happens. And we've seen what happens to small towns when, if the town's built on, say, like an area outside Detroit, it's built on the auto industry only, and the auto industry gets overtaken by Japanese competitors, and and uh, the, the the companies start going under or leaving the town, well, the, the town falls into ruin. Um, Detroit never recovered. They were 1.8 million people at one time. They're down to almost 600,000. Um, Sheridan is never going to be that large just by its location, thank God, and that's why we moved here. Um, but just, just to sum it up, I, I, I stand that the city government's job is to make an atmosphere where people want to and can thrive opening their own businesses, not to actively look, pick, and choose businesses, particularly with loans and tax breaks. Because then what you're doing is using people Sheridan's money, and, and you're stepping outside your role and picking which jobs should come here. Uh, that, that's something that could happen organically and, and should. Yeah, no, that was great. And, you know, um, this is something I wanted to bring up as you kind of brought that up um, in the debates about um, keeping the character of Sheridan and it's a balance. We, we've got to continue to grow and diversify. However, you know, like you kind of, you know, great examples about we don't want to bring these big companies in, get a big boom, and then all of a sudden they go under, then now we have a problem. Um, and it should speak to people like myself that have lived here, uh, have tried to start, you know, my own businesses, you know, trying to live to stay here. Um, you know, I think that's important about, you know, I want to stay here, but you know, we, we, the city, that's the goal is we don't want to just bring outside things in here and, and, and alienate, um, you know, natives. Um, you know, another thing I wanted to bring up Tom, that I think some people, um, this is kind of going 
um, kind of back to your story about why you guys moved here, I wrote down, um, you know, something about you. And if you want to talk about it, that'd be awesome is what you guys experienced when you were living in Colorado in regards to, um, you were working two jobs, two, three jobs, um, you know, and, and, um, I wrote down, you know, you were, you were a grinder, you know, you move up here and then right away you join the planning commission. Um, you know, this isn't some sort of, uh, fluke that you ended up here. You know what I mean? Um, you know, talk a little bit about, um, cause I think that means a lot to, sh to natives in regards to, um, you, you are, you are blue collar in a sense of, you know, I'm here to make this place better. I'm not, um, as we can say, you know, we're not, uh, you're not those, and I hate, I hate kind of stereotyping people, but you're not like those liberal elite, right. That just can come, can afford it, move out here. And, you know, they, um, they kind of just hang out, you know, you've, you've got kids in the school, you're working, um, kind of speak on that a little bit. I think a lot of people don't understand what you guys were going through and what made you guys move here and why you want to and help the community. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, well, as some people have asked me when I'm at the YMCA, they've asked, where are you from? Cause sometimes they hear Chicago and sometimes they hear Colorado, depending how informally or formally I'm speaking. Yep. We are originally from the Chicago area. Um, and what happened both in Chicago and Colorado was very the same. I became so um, preoccupied, well, actually taking care of my, respons my responsibilities, my primary responsibilities were my family. And when I would get preoccupied with those things, or when that became my central focus, rather, not preoccupied, um, I wasn't seeing what was going on around us because that wasn't, that wasn't on my radar. Uh, the short version of it was my mother-in-law, my wife was adopted by her grandparents. I won't get into that whole story, but so my mother-in-law was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And we moved from Chicago to the suburbs to buy a house with an in-law apartment. So I spent the next seven years working on my black belt, working on my PhD, and, and taking care of um, my in-laws. Uh, my father-in-law had lung cancer and heart failure, so he was on oxygen. Um, and she was, we know what Alzheimer's disease does. Yeah. And that's why when Joe Biden flubs up on stage, I don't laugh. I'm like, it's literally as funny as cancer when you've seen it up close. Um, well, she died in, they both died within like a month of each other, really. Um, she died in 2008. And we looked around at that time and things had changed a lot in Crystal Lake, Illinois. Um, our taxes had gone up crazily. I mean, we, the house, taxes on the house were 3,000 a year. I think we moved in. And just a handful of years later, they were 7,000 a year on the house. Um, but I hadn't paid attention to the local politics or anything. Growth had become egregious in Crystal Lake, um, waiting two, three times to get through a stoplight in the middle of town. One of the things I'm concerned about here. Um, and we decided that's it. We're going to move to Northern Colorado. We love the area. We had known it since the 1990s. And um, I was going to finish my PhD and we were going. And I defended my PhD in June 2010. And in July 2010, I was already moving stuff out to Colorado. It was that fast. I had no job, no place to live. <laughs> we were just going um, right. because we had had enough. Um, 
with what was going on with crime and traffic and congestion and taxes in a so-called nice area in the Chicago area. Um, found a job working with uh, severely disabled um, middle school students with severe emotional disabilities. Um, so you can throw anything you want at me because I've worked with people who are just genius to hit your sore spots. Um, and I'm still friends with some of them today. They're in their 20s and uh, they've grown up in the responsible adults. And yeah, I'll take some credit for that. That We did all right together. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't pay a lot of money to work in a public school. And I, I did have a PhD and I, I took a job as a paraprofessional working as a teacher's aide because I, I needed health insurance for the family. Um, I got hired part-time in American Military University. Uh, a few months later, they offered me a full-time position. Um, and suddenly I was getting a professor's salary and we had full Blue Cross Blue Shield and I was sunk, it was great, this is 2012. I'm like, this is gonna be a great year. Romney's gonna beat Obama. I've got this great job. We bought a house now. We're not renting a place. Everything look, looking good. Uh, and my daughter comes home and says, I hurt my leg in gym class. And kids always get hurt. And then a few days later, she complained about her leg hurting again. Um, long, long story short, it was leukemia. Mm -hmm. um, and my wife was pregnant. And um, we were supposed to be done at five kids, and we had the bonus kid coming. And this is before we knew he had the bonus chromosome. Um, so she started treatment in the fall of 2012. She went into remission. Uh, she's been in remission ever since. It's been eight years. She plays volleyball now with, and she does basketball with Sheridan High School. Um, six feet tall, fantastic to see. Uh, if I cried, I would. Um, my son is born, he has Down syndrome. And this is right when my daughter is going through the, what they call induction therapy. And that's when they just nuke her whole body. I mean, hair's falling out, face is swollen, she's throwing up. It's, it's the ugliest part of cancer treatment where they try and knock it out in one shock and awe campaign. Um, he's got a hole in his heart. He's on oxygen, he needs surgery. Um, yes, I've got insurance, but the bills are astronomical anyway. Um, they have out of pocket expenses. I, Thank God they capped us at about 10 grand a year, but it was 10 grand a year in medical expenses at least um, for the next uh, five years, I think, with follow-up and everything. Um, so what I did at that time was uh, I worked online and I just started applying at every online place I could find. And I didn't tell them my situation, of course. Um, they didn't need to know. Um, I even picked up gigs teaching in person at the University of Northern Colorado, right, right in town in Greeley. Um, and I was teaching at five universities at, at my peak, anywhere from 15 to 18 classes at a time. Um, I didn't sleep. I was completely terrified. Either my wife or, or myself were awake at all times. We never were asleep at the same time for the next three years. In case, because she had some crises where we had to bring her down to children's or her uh, white blood cell level had fallen to zero. She had a fever. They had to put her in IV antibiotics, put her in isolation. I mean, it's cancer treatment. It's, it's, it's scary as hell. Yeah. Um, well, when that was over, um, I get a call from the dean of the university because they, they ended her treatment. They're like, she's doing great. We don't think it's coming back. And now it's 2015. And I get a call from the dean. And I'm like, oh, this is it. 
I'm fired. I, I spread myself too thin. That's okay. I, I got through the hard part. That's, that's all right. And she's just like, well, Tom, the uh, department head's stepping down. And the university really thinks you'd make a good department are you kidding me? I'm like, are things that bad at the university? Why, why would you say that? I'm like, I'm a mess. I'm the best you have. <laughs> and she's just like, well, you know, you know, you, and she said, you know, you doing a half-ass job apparently is better than most people's whole asses. And I'm like, that's one way of putting it. Um, so I got, I got to part, I got promoted to the department head at that time. And so, you know, life is great. Again, fantastic in 2015 that, um, my daughter's healthy. Uh, I get to quit some of, I, I quit three out of my four part-time jobs. Um, and suddenly I feel like I've got all this time in the world and my wife finds a lump in her breast. Um, and this is 2015 and it turns out it's triple negative um, breast cancer. Uh, so here we go again. And that was all of 2016 dealing with that. And it turned out to be genetic, uh, the BRCA1 gene. So they're not just taking the lump out. They've got to do major surgery, move her entire reproductive system and uh, remove everything. And then it's four months of chemo after that. And still has a 10% shot of killing it. So that's all of 2016. Now it's 2017. And it's been five years of just hyper-focus on the family. And I look around Greeley, Colorado, and I'm like, what the hell happened? Because now I'm paying attention to stuff outside my house again. And the family's mm -hmm. number one priority. It's the number one priority. I'm not noticing the drug addicts walking up and down the street. I'm, I'm not, I don't really don't care about the traffic jams because my mind's preoccupied with something else. I'm on autopilot driving somewhere. But now the family's back in martial arts. My wife is healthy. My daughter's healthy. My son's healed up from his surgery. We're happy. We're doing great. And I said, we can't stay here. This is, this is everything that made us leave Chicago. Right. I mean, we can't even see the, the front range. We couldn't even see it anymore. Smog. It, it, it's, it's constant now in northern Colorado. You don't see the mountains like you did when we moved there. It's always hazy. You know, you know when we had the smoke coming here from California, it's bad enough that you know, they got to bring their politics. But um, <laughs> you look out at the bighorns and you just see silhouettes of them. That's what the front range looks like really almost all the time now. And like none of the things we moved here for are here anymore. Uh, our property taxes have doubled since we moved here. Crime rate's gone up. The kids are all taking loratadine or nose sprays because the smog and uh, their allergies. One of the first things we noticed when we came to Sheridan, everybody's like, wow, my nose is draining because <laughs> of the clean air. Uh, <laughs> like we threw out all their allergy medications. Like, isn't this great? <laughs> look, blue yeah. skies. That's what it's supposed to look like. <laughs> um, so that's, that's the, the uh, well, I'd say long answer, but I did, I did wrap up pretty much five years. Yeah. Actually, even longer than that, a decade. Um, and so what we saw in Greeley and what we saw in Crystal Lake, Illinois, were politicians who said, uh, we're going to invest in the future, we're going to invest in the children, we're going to invest in a great community, and all translated into, we're going to crank up your taxes. And every time it came around, it was, well, it's just a little tax. I've already heard it here. What about raising the capital facilities tax? Just an extra penny. And uh, that's a tough answer because it is a small tax increase. It is money going to do what it's supposed to do. Um, but I, I like the response of let's see what we can do on the spending then first before we go raiding the bank accounts of single parents and retired people. Um, 
but they didn't care about that in northern Colorado. They didn't care about that in, in the suburbs of Chicago. It was, oh, you're selfish. Oh, you're greedy. It's for the children. And every year they were back with another, it's just a little tax increase. And, and with it, it really adds up. Our, our taxes uh, on our home in Colorado in 2013 were $900. I, I checked this year, it's 2200 now um, on the same house. And the quality of life has gotten no better. Uh, the, the schools have gotten worse. Uh, the pollution has gotten worse. The traffic has gotten worse. And then you start to see money get mismanaged. Um, we were looking at the downtown area of Greeley. That's where the money was going to go because we're going to bring in jobs. We're going to bring in businesses. We're going to make our downtown area a place where people come in. And it worked to an extent. People were driving in from Fort Collins and Loveland and Cheyenne to party in downtown Greeley. And the downtown businesses and microbreweries and restaurants were doing fantastic. And they'd spent six figures on artwork downtown. But there were potholes on my street for years. And I see my taxes double, and the streets are getting worse. The traffic jams are getting worse. Oh, the downtown area looked great. Um, and, and that's when I came up to Sheridan. And as soon as I started hearing about, you know, making Sheridan even greater, and which is fine, which is what I'd like to do, I heard a lot of the same ideas that pushed us out of the Chicago area, pushed us out of northern Colorado, and said, I'm, we're not going. I'm mm -hmm. planting my flag here. Um, Everybody's healthy. Thank God nobody's got cancer in my house right now, at least not that I know of. Um, I've got the time and energy to do this. Um, so I, I immediately volunteered for the planning commission so I could be, have a voice, but not just have a voice. I knew just from the people I'd met in Sheridan that I could speak for the majority of people here. Um, conservative family values, most people don't want to be part of the political show. Uh, I'll leave out the word that comes between political and show. Um, <laughs> and for good reason. It was like I joked up on stage, the worst thing that can happen is I win because uh, that exposes me and my family to the ugliness of politics. But it, it, I think it's my job as a father. Uh, I'd, I'd hope to be um, not a community leader, but a community representative, somebody who stands up when when elites come in and you've got rich people and they've got their rich developer friends and they can look, make a huge profit on doing something that somebody steps in and says, is this good for the people of Sheridan, not just good for your bank account, for your payroll or for your prestige. I get particularly concerned about people running for office who seem to just want the title. I want to say on them on the city council, I, I want to be mayor just, uh, and really why, when you ask the person, why do you want this job? Well, you know, jobs and community and family and faith and the typical answer and just like, you're not getting to it. Your life, you talk, you explain about all these wonderful things going on in your life. You have to have a better answer than some friends think I'd be good on the city council. Um, I've got a serious reason to be here. I have, five children in the schools right now. We've already moved twice. We've been through some hard times and I wasn't able to have any say in what happened in the localities because I had more important things on my plate than politics. Um, my sixth daughter is pregnant and my grandson arrives next month. And then they are probably moving up here. And I think then I will have 
all six of my children and my grandson live in here. Um, and she's married to a great guy who I taught him how to shoot an AK-47, so he'll fit in. <laughs> Yep. Uh, I feel feeling better about him. Um, <laughs> well, when you first see the man bun, it's like, uh-oh. But then people may feel that way about me when they see the ponytail at first. Like, uh-oh, hippie, Colorado. No, no, that, not the case. Uh, I, I, I used to grow my hair long to mail it to kids who were bald. And then my daughter said I looked stupid with short hair, so I haven't got a haircut since. Whole different story. Yep. Um, but that, that's what it really comes down to, like you said. Um, my number one priority is my family. Sheridan is their home. Um, I've developed my intellectual and physical skills the best I can. I, I trained with tactical rifle and pistol. I've worked at being martial arts to become a black belt for years. I, I, I go to the Jun Do school on Main Street now, um, where I'm a black belt. Um, and uh, I, I have four college degrees. I have, I have a, an MA in secondary education, an MA in political science, a PhD in political science. None of that was specifically for me. That was to place myself in the best possible position. So if something ever came up, like childhood cancer, I would have the physical, mental, and economic strength to fight it. Um, now we see what happens when cities become the in place to move to. Um, and that could become like be, being like the in restaurant in town. It could be all the rage and all of a sudden it ends. Um, we don't want that. We want um, a solid community where people raise their families, where people don't move away because there's no place to work. They want to, uh, most people I've seen who've moved away from Sheridan end up coming back anyway, I've noticed. Uh, after they see what's out there, like, yeah, it's not it's all it's cracked up. It's, 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 I'll go back <laughs> to my boring town. It's, uh, which, with, with the culture and opportunities, it's really not boring, if anything. You get to leave the house more often rather than keep the kids locked up. So don't step on a needle outside. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going off. I'm going off on a yeah. track there, but that's what happens when you don't cut me off. No, you're well. It, you know, this again. This is a reason why. Um, you know, um, to be real honest with you, we we started this this podcast is to to continue the values of Wyoming, what it means to be from here um, or to move here, and um, why Wyoming is great and why Sheridan is great. Um, and this is also for kind of your PR, you know, um, you know, just people to get to know you. I think that the debates had great questions, but it's hard when you only have 60 seconds, you know, uh, people don't really get to know you, you know, who you are, um, especially being new, but, um, no, that was awesome. And, um, you know, Tom, the only other thing, um, that I can think of is, um, the the um your motivation as you spoke about is is pushing for the legacy of your family right because now it's um you kind of said it you're not going to give your ground here you're going to stand your ground um and you know to you what's great is also i i think and i don't want to put words in your mouth but if you don't win okay you're still going to be on the planning commission you know you're still going to do things for the community um, and I think that's, um, it speaks to who you are. Uh, well, actually that, that's, that's dead on correct. Um, I, I even said that I was having a discussion with uh, one of the counselors and the mayor recently. Um, we were talking about some of the things and I, I said, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here. Good chance. I don't win. Um, 
So it's not like I'll go away though. I, my voice will still be heard. I'll still be on the planning commission. I'll still do what I can to um, have shared and continue to be the place that I intentionally brought my family to. Um, right. So that that's it. Yeah. I, of course, I'd, I'd like to win because being on the planning commission, I'm just part of an advisory board. And whatever I say to the city council, they could just shrug their shoulders and say no. And that happened with Hidden Bridge. We sent an emphatic yes. It was unanimous. This is great job. Everybody's communicating. The city's working with the community and the association. Some people are happy. Some people aren't. That's the nature when you make big decisions. We did the best we could. Let's green light this. It's been tabled. And that's where I looked at that and I'm like, that, that is why I'd like to be on the city council. So when it comes time to make a big decision, I don't back off from it. it it's, it, it's really skirting the issue, the old, well, I, I need more time to think about this. It's just like, it's been months. How much time do you need to think about this? Right. Um, no one should ever make flippant decisions, but you have to be able to make decisions. Um, and that's really, I'd really like to be on the city council. So when it comes time to make a decision, I could see the groundwork's been put into it. I could see the analysis has been done. I could, I could see if all voices have been heard and, and all legitimate concerns have been at least addressed and studied. Nothing's blown off. And then when it comes, when that's all been done, the decision is made one way or the other. Yep. Um, but like you said, if, if I don't win, I'm still here. <laughs> this is still yeah. my family's home. <laughs> I, I may still go to city council meetings and be the guy in the front row. Go, <laughs> it's like, wait a yep. second. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to be actively, actively involved one way or another, which definitely not the case. I'm not an empty vessel who's going, wants the title just to say, uh, I understand this is, this is full-time work, even though it's part-time pay. I actually laughed when I found out there was, there was a stipend with it. I'm like, really? We get paid for this at a small town? I thought it'd be volunteering. Whatever, that's fine. Yeah. I'm not going to say no to the money. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not like I'm rich, but, um, yeah. but that's really what it comes down to is, is uh, I'm, I'm not running because uh, I, I might be good at it and somebody brought it up. It has been brought up. That's People have asked me to run for office since I've been in my 20s. And I'm always like, politics? No way. I am yeah. not a politician. And uh, I can be very direct and very blunt. And, and uh, I'm like, I'm, how could I ever get elected? Because you have to go around and tell everybody what they want to hear. And it's not me. Mm -hmm. um, but then I get to Sheridan. And uh, that's very much the atmosphere and attitude of Sheridan. Uh, I don't meet people here who are schmoozers, necessarily. Straight talking people with solid values, who will tell you to face what they think, be polite about it, and not like the Twitterverse. Yeah. Um, that's great. That's where my family fit in, that we could look right at people and tell them what we think, and uh, they don't smile at us and then go tell the people down the street how horrible we are. Um, right. People just tell you, I think you're wrong. I'm like, well, this is great. <laughs> I would do that in Illinois, and people are like, well, you're rude. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and out here, if I tell somebody they're wrong, really, why? I'm like, well, that, that's just, this is this is what we've been looking for our whole lives. Yep, absolutely. Well, um, Tom, I think um, if there's anything else you want to say, uh, this will be your moment. But uh, other than that, I'll just let you kind of say if, if someone, again, we did this last time. If, if someone wants to reach out to you, um, what's your email or what's your phone number the best to reach you at? Um, 
you know, and, and uh, if you've got any last things to say to voters out there, you know, I will say what, what uh, is encouraging to me this election um, for Sheridan and Sheridan County um, is um, you've got people like yourself that are running not because they want the prestige, it's more of um, the civic duty of it, of what, why, you know, there's, there's, there's more underneath reasons. Um, and I think people need to get more involved. And I think we're seeing that. And it does start with uh, people like yourself and then and everyone else running. I mean, shoot, there were um, in the primaries, there were like, what, 10 can't people running for the city council or something. I mean, it was um, maybe not that many, but you know, we're seeing some more activity and some more um, involvement. So anyways, what's kind of your message uh, kind of leading up to the election? And then how can people find you if they want to sit down with you and pick your brain about other issues? Well, one idea that I didn't bring up in the debate or here tonight is um, the uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots and the, um, the COVID pandemic while people run around saying this is the worst year ever, um, this is an opportunity for a place like Sheridan. Uh, when we say people want to move here, but that we need jobs as well, I brought my job with me. One of the things we haven't talked about is recruiting telecommuters, people like me, not necessarily long-haired bikers, but I mean people like people with good paying jobs that are 100% online who share our values. If we're going to recruit anyone, we should be looking for more people like me who fit in the town. They bring their job with them. They bring their tax money with them. Uh, and we just need to find them a place to live at that point with good internet service. Um, yep. That is something the city should definitely start looking into as far as marketing ourselves. Um, I, I've noticed that whether it's uh, in city government or it's in an area of, of opportunity, um, Active recruiting, actively recruiting people who, who fit the character of a town can be very valuable because people are going to come here anyway. It may be a good idea to go and recruit more people who fit. I, I have to say that uh, I was somewhat recruited. One of the reason I even found out about Sheridan was somebody I know who I work with who grew up here, lived in Colorado Springs, and then he moved back and he said, come check our town out. I think you'll fit in but don't tell all your Colorado friends about it. So he was right. And I came and uh, that's how I ended up here. And I think we should branch out and do more of that. As far as reaching me, um, I did use my professional email for campaign, but yeah. my personal email is probably better. Um, I, I trust that I'm not going to get horrible things on it. Um, it's a Yahoo account. It's DWG. 1998RED. So DWG 1998 red. That's my Harley. It's a 1998 Dyna Y-Bride um, at yahoo.com. And that's the best way to get a hold of me. Um, because of work and because of spam callers, I never have a ringer on my phone. If yep. somebody wants a phone conversation, shoot me an email or a text and we'll, we'll set up a time. But uh, yeah, if my phone rings, you're probably going to get the voicemail. Yep. Fair enough. No, I do the same thing. Um, well, Tom, Thank you again for your time. Um, always a pleasure to have you on. And if there's anything that we can do from our end to help you out in the campaign, we're you know uh, not not like this is an endorsement by any means, but um, you know an official endorsement. Um, 
but uh, good luck at the election. Um, we'll, we'll try and we'll try and uh, produce this out this week, and um, you know we'll if you know if, if the November goes well for you, maybe we're talking to you in late November, December um, as a city council member, or maybe as a member of the planning commission. Yep. <laughs> Whatever happens, happens. Uh, yes. Uh, it won't make or break my life, but uh, yes, I would like to be on the city council. Perfect. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for listening.